and welcome to CausePods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here at CausePods, we have one simple mission, to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes and make the world a better place, whether it's in their own local community or they're taking on global issues. Please visit us at causepods.org where you can learn about our guest show, their favorite charitable cause, join our Facebook group with resources for cause-based podcasters, and find a link where you yourself could be a guest here on CausePods. Again, that's all at causepods.org. All right, we're going to take you out to the West Coast. We are joined by Mike Guralia. He is the host and creator of the Sing App 10 podcast. If you're trying to find that, I mean, there's going to be a link here in the show notes and at causepods.org, but you're looking for S-Y-N-G-A-P, the number 10 and this is a podcast. It's a 10-minute weekly briefing for members of the Sing App One Rare Disease community. Mike, thank you so much for joining us here on CauseBots today. Thanks so much for having me, Matthew. Tell us what is Sing App One and why is this such an important cause to you? Sing App One is a terrible disease, and it's important to me because my son has it. So there's only 250 kids in America that have this disease, 880 in the world. And my little seven-year-old boy, who is otherwise perfect, is missing 50% of what he needs of this protein. And as a result, he has epilepsy, intellectual disability, sleep delay, hypotonia, autism, and other terrible things. And so when he was diagnosed at the age of four, it was devastating for my wife and I. And we realized that there wasn't an organization that existed in America to um, raise funds and, and accelerate the science. Because the age we live in today it's not crazy to think we could inject something into tony that would help his brain work better and change the course of his life and that organization didn't exist so we created it so syngap one is a a terrible disease it's it's not inherited it is a genetic disease so syngap one is the gene that it happens on but it doesn't mean that he got it from mom or dad when we were created we some of we all have typos most of those typos happened in irrelevant places i had a typo that gave me a big nose not a big deal my son had a typo that caused him to have a deficiency of Syngap-1, big deal. But there are therapies available for genetic diseases today. And, and what the Syngap Research Fund, which is the organization we created, exists to do is to accelerate those ther- therapies. How did you get this diagnosed, being such a rare disease with only 200 plus cases around? Like, How long did it take to go from something is definitely wrong to having an answer? Too long. <laughs> I mean... I now run the org as a volunteer. I now run the organization day to day, and I see a couple of newly diagnosed families every week. Things have changed a lot just in three years, but it always takes too long to get diagnosed. So in Tony's case, our kids don't really, our kids are always a little slow, but it's not obvious that something's really wrong until around two or three when they're just not talking or not talking enough, and then sometime between three and four, on average, they start having seizures, very mild seizures at first, so they're easy to miss. But um, the way most of our kids get diagnosed is seizures lead to neurologists. And then you have uh, people who understand that nowadays 40% of kids with seizures can be explained through genetic testing and people who don't accept that. And luckily we had a neurologist who said, no, no, this is, this is a kid having seizures. This is not okay. Let's make sure that we've checked for genetic causes. And uh, luckily we, we were seeing an excellent team at Stanford and they, they found the cause of Tony's epilepsy so any anybody out there listening with a child who's having seizures if you haven't had genetic testing get genetic testing that is a good good lesson for everybody out there it it 
could be nothing but right it could be something that is extremely rare or different that most doctors wouldn't even know to look for so go out there and seek some extra assistance where you can before we get into the podcast itself you said you started this organization all on your own what were some of the big challenges in creating a nonprofit for medical research and and support time and money <laughs> i mean it's just you know these these things it took time and money i mean you, you got to be like okay how do we do this well you can you can sort of fake it or you can hire a lawyer and and we were in a hurry because what we what we understood quickly when our son was diagnosed we did the rounds we talked to a lot of uh, researchers and clinicians and we realized three things number one there is a way to go after syngap there i won't get too much into the science but there are different sort of types of genetic diseases and and what's nice about syngap is we all have two copies of every gene one from mom one from dad and in syngap one of those copies is busted but one of them is good so basically the therapeutic approach that will help the most kids is to find a way to make the good copy work harder right and fill the gap from the bad copy I'm painting in broad strokes here, but so lesson one, this is solvable. Lesson two, people do this, right? I had no idea. Four, four years ago, I had no idea. People apparently quit their jobs and raise money and, and give money to sci- find scientists who care and give money to these scientists to make them work harder, faster, better. So we did it. And, and lesson three, like it's, you know, there are people you can learn from. So there's an incredible organization out there called Global Genes who really Nicole Boyce was the head of that. And Nicole just gave us so much guidance and help. And, and so we, but really time and money. So you got to create, you got to go through all these rigmaroles. You best to hire a lawyer and then you got to set up a website. And then, but the, the big lesson is you got to find other parents and, and you got to bring them into the team because most people, when they get this diagnosis, they, myself included, to be clear, like curl up into a ball and cry, right? Your kids might never speak. Your kid's not going to college. So your kid's going to be in your home or a home for the rest of their life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, and and it's it's you've got to get people out of that place of despair to a place of hope, which is there, we can do something about this. And and that, you know, there's all the legal stuff and all the hoops you have to jump through. But really, that's the hardest part is getting yourself from despair to hope and then getting other parents from despair to hope and then building a team and, and working to change the future. What has been the rate of success or the rate of new changes in treatment since you started this and, and, you know, started working with researchers to work out better treatments? It's been incredibly fast, honestly. I mean, when we were diagnosed, we were talking, I mean, if you look at our scientific advisory board, these are the the researchers who help us think about what to do. We've been very lucky in, in who we work with and what they told us three years ago, we could hope for happened in a year and a half, right? So the speed of science right now is is really remarkable. And at this moment, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I can think in my head of at least three different labs that are working on therapies to make that good copy work harder. They're called ASOs. And I can think of a couple of biotechs or, or large pharma companies that are also paying attention to Syngap1. So it's looking at all these players and saying, what do you need? Like some, some labs need a postdoc. Everybody needs patient-derived cells. So what this means is you know, we, we basically have a program right now where parents volunteer their kids' blood and we take that blood and we grow it into stem cells and we keep those stem cells in the central repository. And any researcher who wants them, any company who wants them, we're like, take the stem cells, please work on them. And what we're doing is we're, we've identified this sort of step one of research, get patient-derived cell lines. And we've just built them and said, anyone who wants them, take them, no problem. Because what this is doing is taking months off everyone's timeline and helping people 
test their various approaches on, on, on patient genetic material faster, right? So that's just one example. But, but we are at this point hopeful that there will be some kind of therapy ready for clinical trials in a year or two, maybe three. But then clinical trials are where it all falls apart. So at this point, SRF is, is raising money and working hard to um, de-risk those clinical trials, to think about what it's going to take to do a trial and make sure that as much pre-work has been done as possible. So we're, we're, I mean, the clock is ticking, right? My kid is seven. He's getting bigger. He's getting stronger. He's getting more difficult. So I'm literally thinking like, how, how much faster can we go? This is very real for everyone who's, who's got a sick kid. After creating this organization and making what sounds like some really incredible progress along the way, why then create a podcast? This is the question. I'm so excited to, to answer this question. I was thinking about this this morning. You know, so we created this organization and we wrote a bunch of blogs and they were really beautiful blogs. We edited them. We cited them. We referenced them. Amazing blogs. No one has time to read these blogs. And then we've had a really brilliant scientist come to our webpage. And if you go to our webpage, it's like 36 webinars. If you're a med student or a genetic student, you're going to love this stuff. Parents, they watch some of them. They, they follow some of them. They can't keep track. And, and I sat back six months ago now, and I was like, how? And I started getting on the phone with newly diagnosed parents, and I had the same conversation again and again and again. And I answered the same questions again and again and again. And I would send people links to the same blogs again and again and again. I'm like, this isn't working. And then the next week, another family was diagnosed. And the next week, two more families were diagnosed. And I'm like, how do I keep up? So that's that's point one. Like it's a There was a huge need for communicating the same material again and again. Number two... The answer changes over time, right? The, the thing I would say today is different than what I would say three months ago because so much is happening. Number three, you got to remember my audience. These are people with very sick children, autism, epilepsy, sleep disorder, hypotonia, blah, 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 blah. They see so many doctors, it's ridiculous. The time they're not spending taking care of their kid, changing diapers, seeing doctors, they're fighting with insurance. Oh, and by the way, someone's got to pay the bills and they got to take care of themselves. These people, rare disease parents of very sick children have no time. They're certainly not going to curl up with a with a tablet and read my beautiful blog posts, right? So insight one, my parents are are time time deprived and they're exhausted, right? They don't have time and they don't have time to read these blogs. Number, point number two, it's very lonely being a rare disease parent. You can't take your kid to the park if your kid's going to do something cause of scene, right? And and if your kid has a sleep disorder. You're tired during the day and then your kid wakes you up at 2 a.m. and you spend two hours getting them back to bed and it's 4 a.m. and you can't sleep. Or if you're taking your kids to a lot of appointments, you sit in the waiting room for half an hour while they do their, their precious therapy. And so the insight is that my family, my families are, are exhausted, scattered, fragmented. It's a very lonely existence. Whoa, what if I could just have a, a, a timely updates appear on their phone? and go right into their ears. They don't even have to read it. Like, if you think about the rare disease use case, a brief weekly podcast is like magic. And then it gets better because things are, as as we just talked about, Matthew, things are happening so fast, right? There's so much news, there's so much information, there's so many papers, there's so much work that we're doing that like this week I have more news and next week I'm gonna have more news. And in three weeks, guess what just happened? That thing I talked about, it's real. It's, it's, it's a perfect medium because I can go right to parents and give them news they need. And these are people who, who need this information. And, and why do they need, do they need this information because I want them to have it or do they need it because they need it? They need it because they need it, right? They have a sick child. And if you remember my point before, 
I, I used to think my job was to raise money. And then I used to think my job was to find parents. Now I think of my job as, I, mean, I have a lot of jobs, but the most important work I do is to get people from despair to hope. And the way you get people from despair, to, the way you get people from, oh my God, my child is sick. They're going to be sick for the rest of their life. My life is over. It's, it's a disaster to maybe things can get better is you give them information. You tell them the truth. You bring them along. And the first time you have that conversation, they're like, ah, it's too much. But the fourth or the fifth or the sixth time you have that information, it starts to sink in. And so the insight was, A, I need to communicate better. And I need to get messages to parents where they are. And that's what, what was the genesis of Syngap 10. And then what I've learned over time is it's an incredibly powerful tool. Because it takes less energy to listen than it does to engage. So when, by, by the time someone's called me, they're ready to hear something. But there's a lot of parents I've realized with Syngap 10 where they discover it and they listen for a couple months and then they call me. So it's been, it's been, a, it's just been magic. And I, and I sincerely, anyone who's dealing with a population like mine, people who are sick or taking care of sick people, people who are stressed out, people who don't have time, like just put the message out there. It's like a lighthouse just every week, bing, bing, bing. And it's been so wonderfully effective. So I just started it to basically as a, as a living FAQ. I'm like, go and listen to the podcast, tune in, you can stay current. And what I've realized is it's, it's, it's much more powerful than that. It's like a lifeline and, and people are, are listening to it. I just had a family last week. I'm, I'm 30 episodes in right now, plus or minus. And one family got diagnosed and I told her about the podcast and she was like, no, no, my husband and I have listened to every episode. I mean, I mean you, you spent you spent five hours listening to me and you, you're still talking to me? And she's like, yeah. She's like, we have so many questions. And it was awesome, right? That's like five hours of background that they come in with. And they already, they're already there. I've already brought them to, a, to, to a, a place where we can now have a discussion. So sorry, I'm rambling on this, but I, I really do think that Singa, like this idea of a 10 minute briefing to your, to generalize this, a 10 minute weekly briefing to your stakeholders is an incredible use case for podcasts, especially when your stakeholders have no time. And, and you, they can, they're, they're, people are slipping me in when they do laundry, when they drive to appointments, whatever. It's, it's been awesome. Given the response, is there any thought of expanding the podcast into other content types other than just the 10 minute update? Not that I think that this is a great use case and I agree with you wholeheartedly that what you're doing is great for not only folks who are trying to inform people in their niche community, but also just something that everybody's like, oh, wait, that works. Yeah, maybe we should be doing the same thing. But are any thoughts of expanding the kind of content you put into this feed as a result of the success that you've had? We're debating that right now. Like I'm, I'd like to do interviews with other parents. I'd like to do in interviews with clinicians, but I kind of like, I, I kind of have accidentally, like I don't claim to have engineered this. I just got lucky. This was an experiment and it worked. But I'm thinking about doing like parallel podcasts, right? Like, I, you know, having another family, um, having another host in our organization do interviews with families and then have another one do interviews with clinicians. Because I used to think of as a, a podcast as a TV show, like tune in this week and hear what's going on. And what I've realized is actually a living history and, an, 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 and a bunch of evergreen content that people can go back to in our use case, right? So it's like, I kind of want to keep the streams pure. Like you want 10 minutes a week of updates, go here. You want to meet other family members? Here's a different family member interviewing other families. You want to learn about the science? Go here. Like it's just a, it's an incredibly potent medium if you're trying to educate a population. 
but you're the pro. I mean, if you have a, if you have an opinion, let me know. <laughs> Mostly, this is a way for folks like yourself to get more people aware of what you're doing, more people aware of your efforts, but also for others who have a cause to learn how to use this medium to the best of its ability. And it seems like you have tapped into one of those use cases that most people would overlook and be like, eh, nobody really wants a 10 minute update for me. That sounds boring. But what you're telling me is, no, no, that's exactly what everybody has wanted. And it has helped in a lot of ways. So we are all learning from you today. So please like, you know, Take it was a happy accident, but it has been my experience that, and within the rare disease community, I, I just did a panel discussion last week at a, at a global genes conference. And I basically said this, I was like, go start a podcast. Best case scenario, you have my experience and it serves your community. Worst case scenario, it's a disaster and you just delete it. But you know, the cost of setting up a podcast on anger or whatever, it's pretty low, actually zero. And you should probably buy a microphone and but the benefit of connecting with your community, because if you also, if you think about what I'm doing, I'm out here um, working hard. I'm talking to industry. I'm talking to the clinicians. I'm doing all these different things on behalf of all these parents and they don't know who I am. And then one day that, and yes, like there's a mom diagnosed yesterday. Last week, she had no idea who I was and she didn't care. Yesterday, she realized that the reason her little girl is sick and has been sick for 10 years is for this gene. And she's suddenly like, who is this Mike guy? What is he doing on my behalf? Like, I got to figure this guy out. That's a totally reasonable thing for any parent to say. And, and if, you have, if you have been appointed to lead an organization, or if you've appointed yourself, kind of like I did, you still need to earn the respect and the trust of your stakeholders by communicating with them. And that communication takes a huge amount of time. But a podcast is a really effective way to be transparent and just let people know. And I, you know, a little bit about human psychology. When I was starting this, I was like, I'm just gonna do a video podcast, keep it simple. Um, if, you know, what someone said to me, they said, you know, Mike, you got a lot of people out there and you need to build their trust. You need them to get to know you. They're like, consider doing a video podcast. And so I do a video podcast, right? Syngap 10 is actually two streams. I do Syngap 10 via Podbean, which goes to Apple. So my Apple podcast is a video is a video podcast that also po the pod being posted on everything, right? Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And then I and then I take the same MP4 file and I reprocess it to MP3 and I drop it through Anchor because Google won't take video. So even though I have one Syngap 10 brand, I've actually got two streams out there, which makes analytics a bit of a pain. But what it ensures is that if you type Syngap 10 into anything, you find my update, right? And so that was a bit of a learning, but the people who are connecting on video are seeing my face and they're realizing that I'm, I'm really in this for the kids. And that serves the organization and the community in the long run, because this is not going to get simpler, right? Once we have a therapy, we're going to have to start talking about clinical trials and people are going to have a lot of valid concerns and questions. And what do you mean? We're going to have to stick a needle in my kid's spinal column because we need to get the medicine to the brain. Right. This isn't a pill you take. This isn't something you shoot up and put it. This isn't something you put in your arm. We're going to have to literally take kids, stick a needle in their spinal column, and let it percolate up to the brain. So, the the building trust and letting people see your face and letting people connect with you on this, this really human level is again um, a very powerful and I think potentially underrated aspect of these of these podcasts or video podcasts. Well, once again, it is the Sing App 10 S Y N G A P 10 
podcast. You can learn more about it at the singappresearchfund.org, or we will have links obviously in the show notes and at the podcast uh, and on causepods.org. And please, please, please also go check out singappresearchfund.org. There you can donate and support the great work that Mike and the other families are doing to try and come up with effective treatments for children who are dealing with SingApp One and also possibly volunteer your time or other efforts to help them out. And frankly, if you are thinking about a way to update your community about what is going on, the model that Mike has created here for SingApp One is pretty remarkable. And so I think there's definitely a lesson to be learned from them. Mike, thank you so much for coming on CauseBots today, telling us about your show and for giving us a good lesson on how to use this medium more effectively. And thank you for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for, you know, every bit of awareness helps. So I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you talking to us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. If you've been inspired by the work of our guest, please check out the show notes to this episode in your podcasting app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their show, their website, their podcast links on Apple, Google, Spotify, as well as a link to support the charity that they highlighted here in this episode. You will also find at causepods.org a way to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcasting app, how to sign up to be a guest on this show, and a link to our Facebook group, which is going to have special resources just for the folks who are podcasting for a good cause. And I can tell you right now, we've got one great deal from our friends at PodPage, but you're only going to learn about it and get that special deal if you are a member of the Facebook group for Cause Pods. And before I go, I should say thank you in particular. The show is edited and produced by Ben Kiloy of the Military Veteran Dads Podcast and what a great job he has done. And all this is made possible because of the great support that I receive from Shannon Rojas here at thepodcastconsultant.com. Once again, if you want to learn more, go to causepods.org. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time on Cause Pods. Mm-hmm.